Zach Servideo from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with the sponsor, Reed. Silicon Valley Bank is a proud sponsor of Boston Speaks Up for more than 35 years. Silicon Valley Bank has helped innovative companies and their investors move bold ideas forward fast. SVB provides targeted financial services and expertise through its offices at 53 State Street in downtown Boston and in Newton and innovation centers around the world. With commercial, international, and private banking services, SVB helps address the unique needs of Boston's innovators. Learn more at svb.com. Zach Servideo here from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with Venture Lane founder, Christian Magel. Hey, Christian. Hey, Zach. Good to be on, on your podcast. Thanks for joining. And, um, and for listeners, why, why don't you give the German pronunciation of your last name? That's Mago, you know? So, um, yeah, watch out. Mago, uh, Magel. Well, both, both good for me. Okay, cool. And so if I were to say Christian Magel, did I kind of get it there? Yeah, totally, okay. man. Yeah, cool. You're right. perfect. Nice. Um, I've never been to to, to Germany, um, but I'll 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 spend some time with you before I. Well, go. you have, have the qualifications, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of friends that have relocated there. Like, luckily, we're like dual citizens in the states, and um, and like they work in Berlin, and they just love it. And they and from kind of reading through your your pre podcast. Uh, answers like some of the stuff about what you missed about Germany, which we can get into. Like it, 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 it was very consistent with what my friends love about uh, Germany. Uh, but it's really wonderful to get a chance to talk to you today and having had the chance to get to know you meet in person at venture lane a few months back before COVID-19. I'm really grateful for that. Grateful for the newfound friendship, grateful for what you're bringing to the Boston community. Um, so what I'm going to do is, is just read, through a you know summary of your impressive background, um, you know just to kind of give listeners some context, and then we can kind of flow into our conversation. Sounds good. So Christian Magel is the founder of Boston-based Venture Lane, a curated startup hub which houses up to twenty-five early-stage tech companies between two and fifteen employees. Magel is an international startup veteran business angel, and go-to-market expert who cut his entrepreneurial teeth in Europe and Australia. He was the co-founder of Amasim, an Australian telecommunications company in which he served as CMO and executive director. Magel helped grow Amasim to and beyond IPO, and the company became Australia's largest mobile virtual network operator. Prior to Amasim, Magel was co-founder and CMO of Simeo, a customer-centric challenger brand in that in the European mobile provider space that became the world's largest online-based mobile virtual network operator. Magel helped lead Simeo to a successful exit to E+. Prior to that, Magel was European marketing director at letsbuyit.com. 
He also held senior marketing positions uh, at several more companies in Europe, which folks will be able to read when they um, when they find this post on Boston. Um, and then, kind of the, the last thing I want to mention that that I'm including in the post too is just since you know VentureLane was founded in, in 2018, and you know I moved back to Boston in 2018, and, and very quickly VentureLane kind of it start it popped on my radar pretty early, which um, I think is, is impressive and a testament to, um, you know, just Christian Nagel sort of, um, energy as a human, um, and, and kind of fast forward to 2020, we're in the midst of, of COVID-19, um, you know, venture lane, which is, which is a physical space in downtown Boston, right by government center. Um, I was really, I was really impressed, uh, to just see how, how sort of fluidly, venture lane pivoted, um, or at least pivoted its events model and, uh, took a lot of its typically member only content and deployed a successful digital event series for, for Boston startups. Um, so thank you, Christian, um, you know, for it, what an impressive background and, and, and thank you for the work that you've put in and in, in just a few years you've been here in Boston. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have the time to talk to you today. Good, good to be, good to be in Boston, and uh, good to be uh, alive in these dire times, and and uh, uh, you know, uh, managing a support system that's the way we look at it. Yeah, and, and let's kind of just double click a little bit into Venture Lane, and then, and then we'll kind of take a take a trip down memories past thereafter. Um, how are things going? Like, you, you know, you recently, uh, con, you know, conducted a survey with some partners, which I'll kind of give, let you give an overview of very well-known partners in the Boston ecosystem, like underscore VC and Techstars Boston and, and found that, that early stage companies are actually faring, you know, slightly better than, than what, what people would perhaps expect. Um, I think you, you know, you were quoted in an extra crunch article recently, which is, is tech tech crunches, um, editorial product that's behind a paywall, but sort of you were quoted in that, in that story that was about how this is a really special moment for early stage venture in Boston. Um, what are you experiencing, you know, from the venture lane lens and, you know, how are you trying to help support, uh, companies right now? So um, yeah, so so uh, and thanks for the for the nice intro, uh, Zach. The uh, we actually wanted to put out a, a survey just to see how people are dealing, and all about early stage companies. This is where our heart is. Uh, are dealing with the current uh, downturn and the the whole pandemic, and uh, what we found out there because we're, we're interested, like how can we make an impact on these companies? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found out is actually that early stage companies, uh, not surprisingly, uh, if you also compare it with the two thousand eight and nine uh, figures and and data, actually do really well in terms of they can they're still small enough to pivot. Uh, in our own space, we have, as you said, we have 23 companies that signed in, into into eventually as members. About half of them actually uh, did something COVID specific. So, although they mm-hmm. might have not worked in in healthcare, so um, and you know some of them like right into it and helping with tests and and stuff like that. Some others doing some education. Some others, uh, you know, just just transformed uh, their their business model with it. So I found that everybody is actually doing really well. Part of the studies that will come out uh, in the next couple of days is actually also showing that, you know, most of the companies added a couple, a bit of, a bit more um, runway in terms of cash. 
uh, and then, you know, but still seeing sometimes really impressive growth figures. Yeah. Uh, so some of them have been really able to kind of turn this around and turn this into a, a really great opportunity. And even the ones that are coping with with uh, challenges uh, and decreasing revenues, they usually see a light at the end of the tunnel and they hope to be out of here. They hope we'll see how it turns out, but they hope to be out of there uh, by the by the end of the year. How Ventulane is helping, like as you mentioned, so Ventulane is a, a shared workspace slash, uh, you know, I call it like sometimes a little bit like an accelerator light. So we have uh, quite an impressive um, portfolio of mentors that come in and do workshops and right now webinars and a lot of one-to-one sessions to help have an impact on those companies and help them along when they're in the early stage phase. So all of our companies are pre-series A. Mm-hmm. And um, we usually do this. Some of those sessions are open. Some of them are not. And what we usually do is uh, we do this in a physical space. So we open this within three days. We opened all this up, turn it into webinars and very, you know, first COVID specific and now kind of more situation specific. And we've seen already, I think, over 600 uh, individuals actually participating in that program, and mostly Boston startups. And this is that's what's close to to our hearts to really help the Boston uh, early stage or in general tech community going through this through this time um, with everything that we can. So turning it from a physical support system into now a virtual. Uh, support system as 1st of June, we're going kind of partially back into being a physical support system again. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, There's a beautiful uh, connectivity between the two parts of that answer, both the first part where you describe the sort of early stage startups um, that are the the 23 that are sort of the the members of VentureLane right now, like the word that comes to mind is agility. And then interestingly enough, uh, as you describe, you know, VentureLane's VentureLane's move, um, you know, within days to embrace digital events and webinars and and, and open up the content, if you will, to the more broader community. I mean, I'd also classify that as great agility. Um, which is, I think, a, a critical a- aspect to how, how most, ma- how many companies will sort of succeed in 2020, 2021, like in this, what will be like a long haul through like a complete, you know, tech up- upheaval, if you will. I was, I was listening to the Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway um, pivot podcast this past last mm-hmm. Friday. And I mean, they had quoted this number and I, I think I've read this number elsewhere, but upwards of 40% of jobs that have gone away due to COVID-19 aren't coming back. And so mm-hmm. I think what's also really interesting for all humans to pay attention to right now is what are the early stage companies? Like, who are they? Like who's, who's creating them? Who's behind them? What do they offer and what sorts of skills are required to work for these companies. Um, and it's something that's just like, I mean, I literally just finished that pivot podcast yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm curious, Christian, can you shed some light on 
what like beyond you know the the the, the umbrella theme of agility you know, what are some of the industries that some of the early early stage um, companies in Boston are focused on? What what and what sort of advice do you have for young aspiring entrepreneurs and really even the community more broadly that maybe has family members of a diff, of a different generation that they may want to recommend um, gain new skills to be in a position to gain employment in the industries in Boston that will grow and thrive in the years to come mm. because there are certain industries and certain jobs that won't come back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so two, two uh, parts to this answer. So first of all, in terms of agility, and I've seen this, like, you know, we, I do a lot of mentoring and coaching with our own companies, but I'm also mm-hmm. anxious investing quite a bit. So I'm, I'm pretty close to what a lot of the companies actually, uh, experiencing. So agility is a really, really good uh, skill to have right now. Now, but that always comes in pairs and the pair for agility is actually focus. So you can be agile as you want, but if you pivot like all the time and you go from one to the next, to the next, to the next opportunity, then that will leave you nowhere long-term. So a lot of the discussions that I'm having with the CEOs and the founders of the companies right now is actually how do I, how am I nimble and how am I agile and how how do I cope uh, with the current situation and the opportunities that uh, come from those. But on the other hand, how do I keep my North star? Mm-hmm. And that's probably, um, a, 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 you know, a lot of discussions around it. Uh, agility is good, but if you just jump to the next thing, uh, and you leave the old stuff in the dirt, uh, that you possibly built over years and years and years, uh, that's a big decision to make. So usually what we're trying to do is, is really how can you keep your North Star, which comes back as a big fan of value-driven companies. So know your values, know what you're about, and find a new home in the new, in the new, um, in the new situation. Like how can you apply those values and how can you apply your skills uh, in this new situation rather than applying something totally different that you've never done before, or Mm -hmm. just a new opportunity that has nothing to do with your core business. Sometimes obviously no other chance to do this, but I think those two Mm -hmm. be agile, but also be focused and know where your North star is because you might do well with something in the next six months. Uh, and then after that, maybe that rush is, is gone and you need to then still find your North star. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, you asked you asked about new skills um, and what do, should people uh, watch out for. Yeah, I feel I, I listened to uh, well, I, I participated in the virtual uh, congress um, for a bunch of startups that presented their services in the current uh, scenario, and what what struck me was a fact that actually automation does really well after recessions. Mm-hmm. So think of it right now, we're having over 35 million unemployed uh, people. So this will be in the next couple of weeks and months, 35 million decisions of whether to bring that person back or no. 
whether it's you bring, they bring back 60% or 70% or 80%, I don't know. But um, the, there will be a question of should we bring back this person, the same person in the same job, or do we change the job, or do we change the way we, we run our processes and how we do things? And this is usually a really big chance and opportunity for automation. Now, automation is not just robotics. I think of it as software in general is automation because mm -hmm. you have processes that are coded. And therefore, I think if you're in that area and anything that helps with uh, anything remote, uh, anything that is automating, being making things more efficient, um, being... Uh, helpful in designing a uh, designing a setup uh, for the new world that we have out there, which will be not all remote, um, but more remote in a way and mm -hmm. more uh, tech driven. Then, in general, I think that these will do good. There are a couple of industries, as you know, that right now are just really tough. Uh, travel is really tough. Um, um, even uh, sometimes healthcare is really tough. Currently, or you know, restaurant and hospitality is really tough. So right now, I will probably not jump into those. Other than maybe if they have like a like a unique edge uh, in their industry. But everything else in general, I think maybe not short short term, but uh, mid to long term, automation and software will will probably win quite a bit of market share uh, in this scenario right now. Yeah, well said. Um, that is, I work pretty, as we've discussed, sort of um, offline, you know, in our in our earlier meeting, um, when we met at the beautiful VentureLand headquarters, um, I work in the advertising industry. And what's interesting right now is, um, like, we, we actually had a, a buddy of mine who's an analyst in the space just put a put an article out that was like, it's called Revenge of the TV uh, Ad Tech Nerds. <laughs> Um, because right now, like all the, auto, all the automation and, and advertising that the dirty word is programmatic, you know, all the software based automated solutions for serving ads, measuring ads, um, you know, buying and selling ads programmatically, right. You know, with, you know, just basically means more efficient, more efficiently, but higher yield to the publishers. And you can actually put controls in the, to, to make for a better experience with, with consumers, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. And, and it's interesting. The, 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 it was a, it was a, it was a dirty word for the, for the last decade. We've been fighting this uphill battle. And now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, all these bloated tech stacks that aren't really super technical, um, that exist in the attention economy and the entertainment and advertising ecosystem. There's a lot of inefficiencies here and there's actually a lot of areas where we can automate. And so the, the automation software tools in advertising right now are having a serious moment. And as I kind of mentioned to you before we went live, I'm like, my life's crazy right now because I work with, you know, 75% of our, you know, the companies we work with at fabric are sort of like advertising innovation tech companies. And they're, and, and they're all, um, you know, they're all being bubbled up to the surface of like the most meaningful conversations and sort of, you know, TV advertising and, and, and digital video advertising more, 
more broadly. Um, so just kind of playing back to you what I heard, but like just from, you know, the ad, ad yeah, model, absolutely. it's very, totally very, right. yeah. very comparable. I mean, it's $70 billion TV ad market is, um, is being uprooted right now. And the automate, the automation, you know, geeks are actually going to kind of have a massive, uh, market share increase over the next, you know, tw- you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, yeah, I agree. So uh, one of the things, you know, I'd love to, you, you offer such a unique perspective to, to Boston, to, to me as a friend, like I'm really, like I enjoy like each time I've conversed with you, like I've, I've, I've learned a bit and, and I'm, and I'm mindful that like I had gaining, you know, perspective from someone who's, was born abroad, who's, who's worked, who's worked abroad. Um, and I just, I'm really impressed, like, let's like just numbers for a second. I mean, VentureLane is very gender balanced and diverse. So 39% of member CEOs are women. 38% of members are international. Um, you know, clearly, you know, that's, that's, you know, really amazing diversity just for your, your, um, you know, the ecosystem you're building, like from VentureLane and kind of like out into the Boston community. It, does that come, like, where does that mindset come from? Like a very like intent, and it seems like you have like a very intentional sort of like diverse diversity mindset. Um, did you pick that up? Like having worked, um, kind of across the globe and, 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 I, and maybe this is a good backdrop to kind of, to also speak a bit to the, to the experience that you've had, but, but just would love for you to kind of shed some light on, you know, why it's important for you to, to build a very sort of like gender and, 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 and gender balance and diverse, um, community at VetraLane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, in the end, it all starts with, you know, why, why have I started uh, venture lane? And for me, part of the reason was part of the, you know, what I experienced in, in my life as an entrepreneur, first of all, I experienced a lot of support from, from other people and I wanted to give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other hand, I also, you know, I think I, I helped uh, rolling out uh, our businesses that we started into nine nine countries and you know three continents altogether, and th- that was really always a, a unique experience because it felt like uh, it it is it feels the same, but then it's still very different. Um, so coming here to Boston, I wanted to build a home that is actually really the perfect environment for early stage software company mm-hmm. and you know, what you need. Um, and that is usually where this is based on a community, uh, a program and impact and the, the advice and the coaching around it. And, and then a, a space, uh, be it virtual or be it a physical space that, that helps everybody out. So in a way, my, 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 uh, the reason to do all of this was to create an environment that, uh, I enjoy, we all enjoy, and that has a huge impact on our personal lives, uh, but also on our uh, businesses' lives, if you, if you want to. Right. Um, and, and then, if from that perspective, I always found getting diversity in getting a balanced view of different uh, backgrounds. You know, I'm I'm new to Boston, so I moved I moved here about 2017. My my wife is a is a Boston girl, so we're a German American family. My, we lived for seven years in in Sydney, Australia, before we came here. Um, so we experienced really the blessing of having different perspectives. And I really um, enjoyed that not only personally, but also from a business side. So 
doing Ventralane or, or opening up Ventralane, we had always in mind that we wanted to be uh, open to international players and international companies, but also companies here in the U.S. that might actually, you know, not be from Boston, but people that or founders that that uh, that are from somewhere else, but they need to ha- they need to have the connection into the Boston startup ecosystem. And how can we help them the best? And the best is actually the mix of bringing a lot of locals in uh, and mix them up with a bunch of people from from other places uh, or in right. other backgrounds, be it racial or be it gender, and then have a really great mix. And then the the peer to peer and the, the exchange of different people with each other about their experiences and and how they should approach things that is the that that's really the, that's the depth of of Benjamin and how how everybody can help everybody else in the space out, be it on a personal basis or be it on a professional basis. So always we were always, we were always looking for this kind of really balanced, uh, but multiple views kind of scenario. That's great. It's really fortuitous timing too, for you to have come back, you know, come or come to Boston in 2017, like in the past, you know, decade or so plus, um, maybe in the last 15 years, like it's been a real initiative of the city. Like even like when Deval Patrick was governor of Massachusetts, that was like one of the, one of his mandates was to increase Boston as an international destination. And we actually had Brendan Ryan on the podcast, who's the founding executive director of, of hub week, which, which now has a yeah, sort of parent yeah, yeah, company yeah. manifest Boston. And, and he chatted a bit about how like his great, like I was like, what's your greatest accomplishment when you were chief of staff for Deval Patrick. And he was saying that I think it was like eight or nine, like international, um, cities had added sort of Boston as a direct flight destination. And it was really an intentional focus of Massachusetts as a state and Boston as the hub to bring international, um, just folks internationally into the city and certainly like, um, you know, successful sort of entrepreneurs into the city. And I think ultimately, um, that is a real strength of Boston that I think is, 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 is improving because it's, that's only been, you know, like I mentioned, you know, last 10, 15 years, you've seen that, that uptick. And then, you, you know, you're, you're having these beautiful, um, sort of hubs like venture lane kind of blossom in this, in this, um, you know, evolving sort of DNA of, of, of this, you know, diverse, um, you know, fabric of, of, of the city, um, and the community yeah, more huge, broadly. So, huge progress. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I came here. Yeah. I came here to Boston the first time in 1999, and like I still remember, we we went out on a Sunday afternoon for right. for a lunch, and and then we were looking for like where do we go afterwards, and there was actually nothing open, <laughs> <laughs> not not really not really diverse, and that in the last yeah. few years that has changed dramatically. Yeah. Yeah. So 20, all right. So 99. Okay. So you've been with your wife about 20 years. So is that like coming home to visit the family for the first time? Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, uh, Lisa and I, we've been together for 25 years now. Um, okay. and we've been coming back and going back and forth to Massachusetts probably for 21 or 22 years. So I, I mm-hmm. you know, that, that really made me love New England and, and Boston. And, you know, one of the reasons when we had the choice to choose where do we want to end up and where do we want to go, you know, should we stay in Sydney or go back to Europe or come over to the yeah. US? Uh, we've, we've chosen Boston. That's great. Where, where'd you meet Lisa? 
Um, she was an exchange student, so she did an, an international MBA in Germany, and this is how we met. And then, she, yeah, she decided to stay on in in Germany and and uh, you know live the live the life of a of a of a of a German in a way for a while in the yeah. European for seventeen years, yeah. and then after that we we moved for seven years to. Uh, to uh, to Sydney and now we're here for about three years in the US. Great. I want to double click into this background a little bit. And, and I, I have, haven't had the um, opportunity to spend time in Germany, but I did live in Australia for about six months. I did like a study abroad, mm. stayed a couple months nice. um, after. So I lived in Sydney. I have a bunch of family down in Melbourne and um, quite familiar with George Street, although I was a 21 year old. So some of those memories are foggy. <laughs> Um, and where, where in Sydney did you live? So we lived up in the Northern beaches, which is uh, where our yeah. most favorite spot. So you, you can go up like direction Palm beach. We lived in Avalon, had a house at the, at the water. Um, you know, you, you could go out more or less every day and go for a swim in, in the ocean, which was awesome. Amazing. Amazing. And, and you were born, so you were born in Munich. Where were, what city were you in when you met Lisa? Oh, we we uh, both uh, actually attended a, a, a university nearby Frankfurt. Um, okay. And so there was a European business school, and yeah, this is this is where Lisa nice. and I met, and then yeah. yeah, ever ever since we're together. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, what what are the sort of um, and in your and how old are your children now? So I have an eight, I have three children: eighteen, seventeen, and thirteen. Amazing. And so have they, like, is your 18 year old lived in Germany, Australia, and now the U S yeah, all of them actually. So all of them, actually all, of them all of them were born in Germany yeah. and then, you know, yeah. a little older, a little younger, they, they came with us to, to Australia. So yeah, they, so they had like a really good upbringing as a, I call it like a universal citizen. You know, I think you don't yeah. even identify so much anymore with nationalities and your passport. Right. It's more so, you know, you're citizen of the world. That's beautiful. It will be wonderful to see what your, what your children choose to do in life. Because as we have these mm -hmm. more, as the sort of, um, you know, walls between, you know, states, countries kind of break down more and more. I think it's really, it'll be really wonderful to just see like very, um, just as you kind of like as very, uh, you know, international citizens, just kind of like, you know, creating, you know, appropriate, you know, democratized solutions, like across geographies. Like I just talked to Wafa Arbash, the last yeah, podcast yeah, that we did. And, yeah. And like just how she's helping refugees, displaced people across the globe. Like she's mm. a Syrian immigrant here in Boston and she has a very, she has an amazing, just horizontal worldview. Like she, she sees the world in like a very beautiful, like uniform way. And, and just like, it's gonna be really interesting to see more workaround type solutions. Um, that's what gets me really excited and why I love being in sort of like the, the startup world is, is to just kind of, you know, hopefully be, be hip and, and, and get to know um, the folks who are kind of, you know, creating those solutions that, um, you know, really help further just like um, dismiss whatever walls we think, you know, um, exist, you know, between, um, you know, countries, states, et cetera. I think that's really um you know, it's, it's really bright, a bright future. Um, and you, you One actually, of the yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, and so, 
you it is and it actually makes me think of one of the one of the things that um sort of was the, it was actually one of the last questions i asked i, I like to ask this question in the in the in the pre podcast q and a sort of like what what you'd like to see change about the world and you know i love i love your answer i couldn't you know it really it really resonates with me but you, but you said inequality and the fair chance to live a livable life um do you want to ex- yeah. expand on on that a little bit and and you see you're an optimistic um, person. So like what, you know, maybe indicate like, you know, wh- how now is, is a really particularly advantageous time for us to sort of like address this, this issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, like with, with my background and our background, like we had a chance to look at different kinds of life and forms of living and quality of life in different states and different continents. So that was, that was really interesting to see that, to be part of that. And, you know, no, no place is perfect. Uh, but coming here to the U S which I, I loved and always wanted to be and live in and, and working. Uh, but you know, the thing that really strikes you is, is the inequality and, um, for, for us going through the current phase that even brings more equal inequality out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's social biases on, you know, who gets to work and who's out there and who's exposed to a virus to, you know, who is knowledgeable, who has the money to get the right treatment, uh, who's afraid or who's not afraid to reach out for help. Um, yeah, who is actually, um, and getting a good education during this time or who is, right. you know, kind of limited, uh, due to technical circumstances, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think, and that was, that was one of the things that I was always, that we were eager to experience coming over here is, you know, one thing is to say like, listen, I don't like that. Uh, therefore I stay away from it. I think our, our stance was, you know, if you don't like something, then you need to be, then you need to do it. You know, if you can, you must, you know, you, mm-hmm. then you need to do it. You need to be part of it and you need to make, make sure that, that something like that, that really bothers you is actually resolved or hopefully tackled. So inequality was a, is a big one and the really a fair chance uh, to live a little life, uh, which is really interesting from a European perspective. Uh, when you look into, into this, uh, how much more and this crisis brings it out in a really nice, in a really nice way is how collaborative, um, you know, the, the European states are working together or, or at least that the company, that the countries actually, a lot of them do a really good job and everybody stands in for each other and mm-hmm. how the different counties, the different states, uh, come together as a nation and help each other out and how much that actually for better or worse is, is not working in this, in this crisis here in the United States. Right. Um, and the, the lines of poverty and, and being wealthy, um, are coming out even more clear through this pandemic. So in a way, I think, uh, tech can help to kind of bridge that gap, uh, hopefully, um, where it makes certain things accessible to, um, underprivileged, uh, to the underprivileged part of a population 
but also uh, gives people a a chance to you know get a job and a skill education uh, in a in a uh, in an in an industry that doesn't usually not care so much about gender and race and gives uh, a lot of people different chances to actually go through this development and and acquire skills that they can use not only in your professional life but also in your personal life so i believe in the uh, in the in the in the way that tech can actually help to kind of get these uh, limitations get them out of the water you know blow them out of the water make them maybe not go away but like blur the lines a little more so right. um, and that's that's also how we want to be diverse in in, in Venturland. so hopefully yeah. that helps in a, in a way but that that really struck out to me sticks out to me as a european when i when i look into into the yes and where everything is that's interesting. I'm, uh, that, that, that was a good, that was a good riff. I have a, I have a few thoughts. I'm going to try to kind of pull together from what, what I just heard you saying. I mean, one being, I love that you kind of shared the mindset of sort of, it's almost, it seems you share with me and tell me if you're wrong, like the, almost the romantic view of like the, the idea is worth like, you know, problems worth solving are the ones that just seem like insurmountable or the ones that like, you know, you, you, you almost feel like you, sh- you shouldn't go after because they're so big. Right. And you almost need to be like, I, I was listening and, and let me be more, more clear on that one. So I was listening to I'm clearly here I am a podcast host. I'm a podcast, you know, listener and junkie. Um, I listened to, uh, how, how I built this with, with Guy Raz. He, he's got the NPR podcast. It's, it's a good one for, for sort of, you know, anyone's certainly startup founders. Um, and he interviewed Pat Brown who founded impossible foods. And there was this quote, he said, like, he's like to be a, to be a, you know, an entrepreneur is the same thing as to be a scientist. Like you need to be insanely optimistic. And, mm-hmm. and I, that really stood out to me and he kind of went off and, and, and on and on to say like, um, I mean, you, you basically have to constantly bet, you know, on yourself and your commitment to sort of a vision. It kind of speaks back to what you said earlier, Christian, about like, not, it's one thing to be agile, but you need to have focus and you have, you need to have like clear intentions and like adhere to some focus. Like you can't keep, you know, pivoting, you know, too much agility isn't good. And so like the idea of, you know, tackling, you know, the biggest problems in the world, like, you know, impossible foods is, is looking to create, you know, meat that does not come from animals. Right. Like, and and investors didn't love the name impossible when they started, but like, that was, that was how big and bold sort of and willing they were sort of commit to that, to that mission. And I think there's something beautiful now with all of that said, right. And I'm an, I'm insanely optimistic, like, like you and like Pat Brown, I do think that it's difficult for Americans who don't have access and are like, I mean, I grew up in the Merrimack Valley and I grew up in Methuen and my wife grew up in Lawrence. And I know this to be true. The majority of young people where I grew up, Boston may as well be 3000 miles away. It may as well be Los Angeles. It's a very difficult city for them to feel they're maybe accepted. Isn't the right word, but to feel they have access to. And I don't think that the current government and the leadership that we have inspires any confidence 
in any level, like that there is an ability for you know, folks of maybe more modest means to sort of go and be part of the entrepreneurial pursuits that will shape and future proof our world for tomorrow. Right. And so one of the things that really stood out to me, so I'm kind of painting this canvas right now to you, and I think you're following, right? And hopefully <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one of the things that really stood out to me when I, when I asked you the question, what do you miss most about Germany? And you said the sense of social responsibility and a sane government. So kind of unpack this for me a, a bit and, and explain to me, you know, what it is, um, that you feel like the, you know, you are now, you're, you're an embedded member of the Boston innovation community. You, um, you're married to a, a lovely, loyal Boston girl as, as am I, which we, we made the right calls, I think. And, um, you're not going anywhere. And so, you, you know, you care about, you know, you care about global citizens, but you're part of this Boston community. How, to what level can, at a state level and from a Boston sort of tech community level, can we succeed in spite of the White House? And specifically, can we reach out to like beyond the suburbs, but like just 30, 45 miles away from Boston and help pull and provide access to opportunity to the, to the, to the many sort of like young people that are kind of forgotten in the shadow of, of what is a really burgeoning uh, early stage venture community in Boston. Hmm. Um, so you asked, can we, um, and you know, my answer to this would be, this is not a, this is not even a question of can we, this mm -hmm. is, we need to, Right. Right. So right. I, I personally convinced this is, this is not even an option or this is not a matter of should we do this or shouldn't we do this? Um, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, um, as probably every entrepreneur, but okay. I believe it, this needs to change. And if, if this one, if this society wants to go anywhere and this country wants to go further than where it already is, and it's done, you know, fantastic job in the, in, in the, in the past and people should not underestimate, you know, America has, is built on really, really strong roots, which are mm -hmm. tested right now. Um, but you know, really strong roots and everybody should be really proud of that. But yeah. we need to we need to succeed in in this question in terms of inequality or making things accessible. If we don't do this, and the disparity and the gap between uh, the wealthy and the poor, the knowledgeable and the not knowledgeable ones becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, then then that takes the foundation out of every society. And then it becomes just a me game rather than a we game. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, this is super important for everybody to understand that whether on which side, whatever you are, is you need to, this needs to start with everybody. And that needs to be a, um, uh, that's not just a desire, but it is an actual need uh, that we need to provide all of this. If not, then this society as it is will not survive because it was actually right. built on that. And maybe we've forgotten a little bit over time. Um, and, you know, we need to maybe strike a little bit more of a balance uh, 
personally, I think a little bit more in a European way, which is why are yeah. we doing all of this? Uh, why are we living? We want our life livable. We want it livable for us, but also for our children. And how do we make this work alone is not the answer. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. This needs to be worthwhile living. And if you take this away from people, and it probably has happened in the past many times before, um, but if you, if you, if people don't see the hope that it can change and it will change, then people just stop in their tracks. And that's the last thing that, that anybody wants. That's right. Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm particularly hopeful for Boston because plenty of, and they're not small, like they're, they're, they're significant initiatives, but they're, they're micro and, and sort of in the sense that they're, they're independent of sort of like what can be like a much more grandiose cause. But I think of like a resilient coders, you've probably had a chance to meet, like, have you met David Delmar Santias yet? Not yet. No. So like resilient coders is this amazing organization. They're out of Cambridge innovation center. Um, David's a Mexican immigrant and he teach his coding boot camp, which is now, I think it's, I think it went from 16 to 20 weeks. So it's a 16 or 20 week boot camp. Um, they limited numbers that they'll accept like, you know, in the dozens, but they'll graduate, um, I think about 95% of those that come through their program and they, and they actually graduate and get jobs at some of the biggest companies in Boston, like the, you know, like the Wayfarers of the world, David resilient coders has partnerships with some, some businesses and the majority of graduates, um, you know, finish resilient coders, 20 week boot camp. There are people of color that never went to college and their their average starting salary is $95,000 a year. And, and like, that's beautiful. That's changed. That's like, like, I almost want to just take resilient coders and like, and stretch it across the whole ecosystem and, and make it like a, you know, corporate social responsibility, sort of CSR mandate to just like, you must have this sort of a, you know, you must be committed to a certain minimum level of, you know, participating in the training and or hiring of those, you know, sort of retrained and skilled, you know, and skilled up for, for the innovation economy. I think that's a really, you know, for, for every program like that, you know, and they, and they did not yet know each other. Although Boston speaks up, brought these two together. You have tech for hood, which is Roman Heckes, who's out in Lawrence, my wife's hometown. And he's teaching at, at the same Lawrence public library where my wife had her only access to a computer in the, in the late nineties, Roman and his group tech for hood, which is a nonprofit. They're teaching, um, coding skills to, to young uh, men and women in Lawrence and Merrimack Valley more broadly. And they're like, and he's in Romans, an official Snapchat lens creator. So he has a Snapchat lens creation course that is really popular. And it's, and it's creating really tangible like outputs for young people to experience what it's like when they, when they play with zeros and ones. Um, and so, the, you know, I, I want to just call it out because it, it, this is, oh, this is it. one, this is one really conversation, it, but, but just, I don't want, I don't mean, cause I, I want to make sure that I, you know, restate, like there's been great discoveries that I've been fortunate enough to, to find. And, and, um, and, and some of which like tech for hood, like they, they, they found us and, and it was really great. And so I think just, you know, being, you know, I see venture lane, um, as a real, you know, Matt, you know, magnet, you know, not just for opportunity for entrepreneurs, but like a real, um, platform for change. And, and so like, that's almost my, 
a bit of my uh, sort of ro- romantic um, sort of, <laughs> I guess, request of you and also my commitment to you, Christian, is consider me a partner in the initiatives that Venture Lane um, participates in, initiates itself um, to just help broker relationships with those types of organizations uh, like Resilient Coders, Tech for Hoods, and just and just connect, you know, with with more communities adjacent that, you know, com- you know, that, that kind of the outer rings outside of Boston. And actually, believe it or not, like we, we had a couple of projects that were around, uh, you know, helping uh, the Leia project, the Jeremiah, Jeremiah project, mm-hmm. uh, where we, you know, grab a couple of our, our folks and help them out with uh, high school students and show them a little bit like the STEM world and, help uh, help them so we, we wanted Love to that. create something that is this is beyond helping companies being successful uh, being successful in their field it is actually also bringing this really humbling element of helping you being part of a community and helping the community we have a veteran center next next door actually you know helping out there when we when some of our members actually uh, you know work in the in the canteen um, uh, producing the food and, and handing it out to the people there. So we see ourselves as, as a integrated part of, of Boston still for startups and software. So very specific, uh, with what we're, what we're good at and that we want to pass on. But we think of this as a, as a larger thing of, of a larger network and a larger ecosystem that we want to be part of. That's great. Yeah. Cause I mean, actually one of the next topics I want to make sure we hit on is, is in just thinking again to venture lane and the, the impressive platform you've built. Um, you know, I just, you know, there's all these different, very intentional lanes within venture lane. Like you, you started candid company, which is a biannual event only networking dinner that brings together a hundred of the, you know, the, the most, you know, brightest, the most impressive sort of, you know, tech entrepreneurs in Boston and which, which, which will, you know, over time be a great, you know, platform, a great event to while like have these important causes and initiatives kind of shared and discussed too, in addition to just all like the, the tips and sort of like thought provoking conversations that might help spark, you know, more innovation as well. Um, but how, you know, one of the things we talked about this a little bit before, before the podcast, and this is one that, um, I'm glad that you reminded me of because we had talked about it the first time we met months ago, you had such great momentum with candid companies. So, so give a little background on, on what it is, but also like, how is that event changing? How are you pivoting that event specifically, which is a very intimate like event um, in light, in light of, of COVID-19. Yeah. So we created, so I, I created, um, I co-founded a um, uh, similar um, networking platform back in Australia, which now became actually the largest, uh, probably most influential networking platform for for uh, Australian entre- tech entrepreneurs called Digifit, and we uh-huh. we kind of took took that recipe and, and brought it to Boston. And uh, beginning of March, we had our first dinner. We rented out a restaurant in Cambridge. Uh, had had a hundred had a hundred people as our guests, and the idea was really connecting startup founders with each other. So you can have food on the table, you can talk. We had Chris Comparado, the CEO of Toast, who, who you know, came came in and uh, actually gave us a first glimpse of what he's seeing from COVID, like at the time, believe it or not, beginning of March. 
Uh, and that was probably the last bigger uh, community event uh, in the tech sector in Boston because uh, 10 days later, everything got shut down. So we were happy uh, getting the first um, event and the first version of that out. But that was, that's, that's an, uh, that was it's an interesting arm of venture where we actually go out and uh, get outside of venture lane and uh, embrace other entrepreneurs and bring them all together. And what I took away from that evening was really how awesome it was to bring this awesome energy into one room and for one evening have a mindful speaker that gives some some feedback and tips, but also some good life advice, but then meet probably five or 10 other people that are in the same situation as you are, because that's so important. That is, again, your community and your, your support system. So now, um, as we're thinking, we wanted to do this um, twice, a, twice a year, uh, and this probably not being uh, possible anymore in that in that shape or form uh, this year. We're actually thinking about uh, doing one in in fall, and maybe we'll do a smaller event uh, in and do breakout rooms. So still, the idea is still to bring in uh, a good name of somebody who really has to say something that is uh, mindful and has an impact on on all the participants. But then, uh, like, how do we, in a virtual environment, you know, do breakout rooms where people can still meet each other, uh, share experiences, maybe all a little shorter than the four hours that we had drinks and food and speeches and all of that stuff. Uh, maybe it's an hour, but still keeping that alive until we're, we're coming back. I, I feel that the remoteness actually has many good things brings a lot of opportunities and many good ideas on how to do things differently and also reach other people. Uh, but I think the real strength is if you combine it with the physical one. So, you know, we want to, we want to keep, keep on doing it. Number one. And number two, um, uh, if it's now in a virtual way, we do it in a virtual way, but now then later on merge it again with the physical event, which, probably is unique and, and can only be done uh, and have, can only be that experience when, when, when it's done physically. So looking right. forward uh, for time to a time where, where this is possible again. Great. I have a couple other topics I want to get into, but while I'm actually thinking of it for listeners, what's a good way, whether it's, whether it's this, you know, the event series, whether it's to submit to be a member or to perhaps be considered for candid company, like, what do you recommend to folks listening? Like how's best to reach out to you to venture lane? Yeah, listen, like, first of all, you can always reach out to me over LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Absolutely. No problem. So it's Christian Mago or write me a quick email, christian.mago at theventurelane.com. So that's, that's never, that's never a problem. If you want to find out a little bit more background about VentureLane, go to uh, theventurelane.com and you'll see we have, uh, actually we're just putting up a new, um, uh, application form in the next couple of weeks. Uh, right now we're, we're, we're reopening in June on June 1st. Uh, with 25% capacity. So we're going back to physical and I'm really happy uh, to that. Actually, we just did uh, antibody test. We offered antibody tests together with our one of our member companies, Minta, antibody tests for all for all the members so that they know where they are and we can kind of guide them into a safe space. So as we're opening up again, we're, we're taking, we have probably 
two or three, uh, probably three or four uh, company spots left um, that are open um, and people can apply for it. So we'll, you'll find it on the VentureLane.com website. And um, uh, other than that, if you are interested, we're doing we're doing usually about two to three different webinars a week and, and uh, events that are right now really we open it up for everybody for the Boston Startup Ecosystem, but even beyond that. Uh, go to the program side on the on the um, on our website, and there you find our calendar of events that are that are coming up. So just sign up; um, it's for free. So we made it for free uh, for everybody in the in the current situation because we believe that everybody right now needs a little support mm-hmm. and needs that needs that access to expert opinions, but also. Uh, the, the chance to meet a bunch of other people that ask either the right question or have something really interesting to say. So check that out. Um, absolutely, absolutely no problem. And that'll be um, out there still for a couple of months, I guess. Great. And it's also nice to hear, um, I'm sure you've been hard at work kind of making, being very prudent about about how, how to bring folks back, but it's great to hear that you were able to get an antibodies test sort of partner to, to, to help out all the um, members of your community to kind of oh, and help sort of them in. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, so a bit of a fun question for you. So in an alternate universe right now, Christian Magel is playing a soccer game for Bayern Munich and you're up one, nothing <laughs> against Dortmund, by the way. I don't know if you're keeping track. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> Your Bundesliga is back, and I'm a big soccer guy, so I actually had it I open know. on my computer. Like I was like, "Is they, are they playing today?" And, and interestingly enough, you said in the pre-podcast Q and A that your your sort of like first ever sort of you know dream job and remember wanting to pursue was professional soccer player for Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, is that, are they still your, are they still your team? Do you, are you so busy? Oh, that you don't absolutely. Get, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're my team. I mean, I you know I spend. God, there were years where I spent like you know every Saturday when I could in the in the stadium. And nice. then my my uncle was actually very close to the to the club, um, and uh, so I you know, we, had, we had good access to to the players and the team. So that was really awesome being being a young I don't know eight year old or ten year old or twelve year old. So oh, yeah. uh, that was that was pretty awesome. No, but that, nice. that was really like uh, I remember it because our teacher back at the time asked us, "Hey, paint." yourself in the profession that you want to take. And I painted myself with the number five, you know, that would be the, nice. the, the last defense guy uh, yep. in there and uh, in my Bayern Munich shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I, I, I'd be your, I'd be your number nine. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. yeah we, so should you, for game. <laughs> we should, I still play. Um, I was playing on a, in an 11 V 11 league in Santa Monica before I moved back to Boston. I played in a, in the, in the Bay state soccer league when I got back, but I, I just, I've done some sevens with, um, I don't know. You, I think, you know, Kyle gross KG used to, he always has a team going. So when, when life goes back to normal, he's got a seven V seven team I play on. So we'll have to, we'll have to get on oh, play. Do you, awesome. Yeah. Do your kids, um, play soccer? And the, and uh, they they do not actually. My my son played soccer for a while, but yeah, I think to be like the, the the only one that's actually still pursuing it. <laughs> yeah. What about Bayern? Do they? Do you guys? Do you ever get to watch? Oh, watch yeah, everybody has their shirts, and they're big. Nice. They're big fans of the of the German national team. Uh, that's that's I think the 
the the nice part when you're when you have uh, dual citizenship, you can you can choose to you know scream for one or the other. In soccer, it's definitely advantageous to be <laughs> to have a German passport and and, uh, uh, and support the team. You know. So how how has it been? I mean, last question I want to ask is how how are how are you and and Lisa faring with with three kiddos at home? You mentioned that with older kids in particular, you got to be emotionally supportive. I imagine for the eighteen year old, it's it's rather unique challenges. Was 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 he or she just like a, like supposed to be graduating this year or? Yeah, no, she 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 started uh, in her freshman year in at Bake Forest actually, and oh, um, so she finished that. She she did really great in her first year, loved it, and obviously it was a it was a big challenge for her all of a sudden to be her home and all her dreams of how summer would pan out be yeah. crushed. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there's there. Um, so for us, it was actually really it's about you know that emotional support of understanding that uh, at that age you you gotta um, embrace the situation which is hard because it feels like you know everybody else is out there and in different states yeah. and you know she's she's obviously on social media has friends all over the world and sure. everybody else is back to normal uh, I mean, let's and, just, let's know, just call out florida yeah, <laughs> you see, you see people your age in Florida on beaches. It's tough. It feels unfair. I'm sure yeah, for her. It's crazy, and you yeah. know, to to so so that there's this emotional support. But all in all, I think they're they all did, fared really well with that. Uh, we have a we have Good. a 17 year old. She's in 11th grade, and got a 13 year old who is who's going through that. So for them, it's probably like you know finding that structure, and not having the the. Uh, the classroom is a little harder. However, I think everybody's doing doing a really good job. And for us, it brought us as a family together. Like we're, we're watching yeah. our movies and we're doing things together. We're baking and we're cooking and we're we're yeah. playing games. I'm sure that, that uh, as much as everybody else, we we just finished a little uh, raised garden bed as a family project. So yeah, uh, you, know, you need to be happy for the stuff that you have and and take it as it is. I guess you know one one step and one day at a time. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I think you've I think you've said it you know a couple of times. You I certainly just basically expressed it, and you said it earlier. Like it, there's there's certainly a lot of you know loss right now, and COVID nineteen is extremely serious, and you, some, your family's taking it very serious. Uh, but it's you know there's ways to look at the blessings here too, and I think the breaking bread with your family every evening, um, and and you know home, you know projects at home with the family. Like I, I certainly have appreciated that with my. Yeah, you, you told me you you yeah. you you used the time right. So yeah, well done. I know my and my wife's just she she's got for every project I finish. All right, home gym built. Okay, all the doorknobs changed in the house. Okay, let's spray paint spray paint all the the door hinges so they all match the doorknobs. Okay, what's next? You know, now we got now we got the yard projects next. Um, but no, we're having fun. We got a fair share of projects, and then we're having a lot of. A lot of fun, a lot of nice home cooked meals, and 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 consider myself really blessed. I'm very grateful for it. So, and I'm really grateful for this time that you spent, Christian. We went a little bit over time, but uh, I feel like we covered a lot, and and certainly the things I was hoping to cover. Um, 
anything else you'd like to share just with the, with the Boston community kind of, as we, as we move forward together, I, I know you have that study, the, the survey sort of res, uh, results coming soon, which I think will be great. Yeah, that's, to perhaps share that's with coming this. out soon. And yeah. I'll make sure we'll have a, we have a link uh, for that on, on the Ventilane uh, right. website uh, for, for everybody. And you'll see it, um, you know, going through Boston, Boston, and, and, and these guys, um, probably one last thing is, you know, for all those uh, founders and, and people that want to start companies, I mean, you are the change that this country needs and the current situation needs. Um, as, as hard as it is, and sometimes, you know, you're looking at the, these dire times and you have to make really tough decisions of possibly letting people go or letting some of your dreams go. Yeah. Uh, totally worth it. I've been through 2008 and 9 and the dot com crisis and so on. Usually, it's it's like I'm 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 referring to it as the economical winter. You know, yeah. think of a tree every year. The tree actually has to go shed its its, its leaves and its mm-hmm. leaves and and you know go through a winter, which is you know it might cost them a couple of branches. Um, I think uh, for companies, this is sometimes good uh, to circle back to what are we really here for? What is really needed? Uh, do that check and look at this as a, as a great opportunity to go back to uh, maybe there's a different need to circle back to what is, is your North Star all the time and, and keep that in mind. And, you know, push forward. The, you will look back at this time as, as some formative months and years where you became uh, a real entrepreneur and somebody who really took uh, the lead and hopefully guided your company out of that, out of that really uh, hard time. Uh, and that will leave great traces uh, and leave you with great skills on how to navigate tough times. Um, so there is really good in that. Um, having been through that a couple of times, there's really good things uh, out of this out of this thing. So uh, make the best of it. I love it. I particularly love the tree metaphor like a tree going through the winter and you know shedding its leaves and perhaps losing a couple branches because we're in boston right and we we know about going through winters you go through the winters because the spring and the summer is that much sweeter we got this this is what we were built for um so let's go build the future (laughs) christian it's been a pleasure and really looking forward to sharing this with the community Thanks for, thanks for having me and, uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up in person again, uh, over beer or coffee. Likewise, uh, I, I, I'm le- I'll lean towards that beer, but I'll settle for a coffee. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Boston. Bye-bye.